0: Welcome to biblical tapestry podcast season three episode 11 in completing the book of colossians a letter written by paul to the church in colossae biblical tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from genesis to revelation in this episode we finish chapter four in the entire letter to the book of colossians In this last chapter, Paul reminds the Colossians about the importance of prayer, wisdom, and communication in the church and its ministries. Let's turn to the book of Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the message, to speak the mystery of the Messiah. For which I am in prison so that I may reveal it as I am required to speak act wisely towards outsiders making the most of the time your speech should always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you should answer each person Tychicus our dearly loved brother faithful servant and fellow slave in the Lord will tell you all the news about me I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know how how we are, and so that he may encourage your hearts. He is with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother, who is one of you, then tell you about everything here. They will tell you about everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you as does Mark, Barnabas's cousin, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And so does Jesus, who is called Justus, these alone of the circumcision are my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a slave of Christ Jesus, greets you. He is always contending for you in his prayers, so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you, for those in Laodicea and for those in Heropolis. Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas greet you. Give my greetings to the brothers in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. When this letter has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea, and tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. This greeting is in my own hand, Paul. Remember my imprisonment, Grace be with you all right back to verse 2 devote yourselves to prayer <clears throat> stay alert in it with Thanksgiving two things Paul tells us about prayer to be devoted in it and to stay alert with Thanksgiving the alertness means that our prayers and the prayers from the Colossians were to be alert to what was happening around them our prayers as Richard Mellick writes needs to be in tune with the times prayer in this sense is an informed prayer and a purposeful prayer. Informed prayers are powerful and personal. Please note this prayer is part of a devoted prayer life. This devotion to prayer is a persistent prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Paul tells us, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test all things, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. A Christian life should never be devoid of consistent and fervent prayer. In Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. Prayer should be infused with thanksgiving. The Greek term for thanksgiving here is Eucharista, which is a thanksgiving that is watchful and thankful. The components of prayer, just as a reminder, are worship, adoration, thanksgiving, confession, submission, intercession, and supplication along with petitions and requests. And verse 3 says, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for us for the message to speak the mystery of the Messiah for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it as I am required to speak. Paul asks for intercession and in prayer for his persistence in his message to the world and to his ministry. Paul wants. An open door for the message of Christ, the Messiah, to go out to the world. This also includes a prayer for wisdom to enable Paul to reveal the gospel as he's required to tell. Paul was incredible in his God given ability to turn any situation into an opportunity to be a witness for Christ, including prison. Prison would not stop Paul from sharing the gospel to anyone, and everyone who would listen including his guards, as we will see later. Paul wants all to hear and understand the gospel and wanted prayers to help his ministry. Verse 5 says, Act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Paul commands the Colossians to act wisely towards those without the knowledge of Christ. What does that mean, to act wisely or with wisdom to others? Well, we need to be understanding of our walk before others so that they think positively of us and of our actions. This in turn will make your time with them count for a witness of Christ and his purposes. Be wise and make the most of your time. In Ephesians 5.15, it says, Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. In verse 6, it says, Your speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Our relationships with others matter in both word and in deed. A gracious speech is full of the same grace God shows to the believers. An undeserved favor of God to us should be reflected from us to others. Those who live in a state of grace need to reflect that grace to the world around us now speech when we speak needs to be seasoned with salt well that means it's acceptable and inoffensive salt was used for three things in the ancient world to preserve food sterilize food to make it safe and to season the food to make it better our speech should be safe in the ability to point others to christ This speech and this verse is tailored to each person and situation. It is personal. Paul, again in Ephesus, or in Ephesians, gives us an example. Ephesians 4.29 says, No foul language is to come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander must be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Now that is a well seasoned speech. Verse 7 says Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful servant, and fellow slave in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know how we are, and so that he may encourage your hearts. Paul had written both this letter to the Colossians and another one to Rome. Both were churches and people he had never met. And he gives us a list of nine names starting here, some who have journeyed to Colossae as sent by Paul, those others were sent greetings to the church, and some who Paul sent greetings through Colossian church members. In verses 7 and 8, we have Tychicus, who was a messenger from Paul and carried this letter to them. He would have first-hand knowledge of what Paul was going through and his circumstances. Paul describes Tychicus as a dearly loved brother, faithful servant, and fellow slave. Tychicus served the same purpose to the church in Ephesus. We see that in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 21 says Tychicus our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed I am sending him to you for this very reason to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts this seems to lead that Tychicus was a special relationship with these churches in Asia well we find out that he's actually from Asia in Acts chapter 20 verse 1 it says after the uproar was over this was an uproar in Ephesus Paul sent for the disciples, encouraging them, and after saying goodbye, departed to go to Macedonia. And when he had passed through these areas and exhorted them at length, he came to Greece and stayed three months. When he was about to set sail for Syria, a plot was devised against him by the Jews, so a decision was made to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus, Secundus from Thessalonica, so Aristarchus is from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy and Tychicus, and Trophimus from Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us in Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. In five days we reached them at Troas, where we spent seven days. Tychicus obviously again had his home in this area, so he was well suited to take the message from Paul to them. Verse 9 says, He is with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. Well, this gets fascinating. Onesimus is a fascinating character. Here, he accompanies Tychicus and is described in the same way as Tychicus. He was one of them. He came from Colossae. And that adds to the story, as Onesimus was a runaway slave from someone... In fact, someone who led the church and whose home (laughs) the church met, and that was Philemon. We see that in the book of Philemon, the letter written by Paul to Philemon, verses 8 through 16. For this reason, although I have great boldness in Christ to command you to do what is right, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. I, Paul, as an elderly man, and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, appeal to you for my son Onesimus, I fathered him while he was in chains. Once he was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me. I am sending him back to you as a part of myself. I wanted to keep him with me so that in my imprisonment for the gospel, he might serve me in your place. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that your good deed might not be out of obligation, but out of your own free will." For perhaps this is why he is, was separated from you for a brief time, so that you might get him back permanently, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dearly loved brother. He is especially, so, especially so to me, but even more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Philemon was a wealthy member of the Colossian Church. In fact, the church again met in his home, while Onesimus was gone from him. Onesimus was saved to Paul's ministry, and now Paul was sending him back as a brother in Christ. And that situation would be an interesting reunion. This would be a test case for what Paul had written about slaves and masters. Can tr- Christianity triumph over social and economic issues of the time? We don't know the outcome, but I believe they probably did. First, 10 says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you as does Mark, Barnabas's cousin, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And so does Jesus, who is called Justice. These alone of the circumcision are my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. For well, these were Jewish people that worked with Paul. Aristarchus was a native of Thessalonica, again a traveling companion of Paul, He experienced many of the same hardships as Paul. Back to Acts chapter 19, verse 28. When they had heard this, they were filled with rage and began to cry out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed all together into the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's traveling companions. And we know that Aristarchus was probably in prison with Paul for the same reasons related to the gospel. Now, John Mark was one of the most known persons of the New Testament. He was Barnabas' cousin. He grew up in Jerusalem. John was his Jewish name, and Mark was his Roman name. He accompanied Paul on many missionary journeys, but he had returned home suddenly when Paul traveled to Asia, and that started a very strong argument because Barnabas wanted to bring him back, and Paul did not. And that ended up splitting those two up. In Acts chapter 15, verse 36, After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brothers in every town where we have preached the message of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul did not think it appropriate to take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. This was such a sharp disagreement. That they parted company, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. Then Paul chose Silas and departed, after being commanded to the grace of the Lord by the brothers, or commended to the grace of the Lord by the brothers. He traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Well, because of the discipleship of Barnabas, to John Mark, John Mark became a trusted and capable minister, and we now know he's back with Paul in helping him. John Mark would go on to transcribe Peter's teachings and end up writing the Gospel of Mark. He was a direct witness of Jesus' ministry while a young man in Jerusalem. For we see in Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 48, when Jesus was arrested in the garden. But Jesus said to them, Have you come out with swords and clubs as though I were a criminal to capture me? Every day I was among you teaching in the temple complex, and you didn't arrest me but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then they all deserted him and ran away. Here's where it gets interesting. Verse 51 says, Now a certain young man, having a linen cloth wrapped around his naked body, was following him. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. Now, because he didn't mention a name, John Mark most likely was that certain young man at the garden. But now a trusted minister of the gospel and a trusted minister to Paul in prison. In fact, Paul requests him in his second letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy 4.9 says, Make every effort to come to me soon, for Demas has deserted me, because he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus, as well as the scrolls, especially the parchments. So here we also have another person named Jesus, or known also as Justice, and he occurs only here. Jesus being his Jewish name, and Justice a Latin name. Verse 12 says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a slave of Christ Jesus, greets you is always contending for you in his prayer so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills for I testify about him that he works hard for you for those in Laodicea for those in Hierapolis. Epaphras was one of the Colossians and had brought greetings from the church to Paul. In Philemon Epaphras is mentioned as a fellow prisoner with Paul. Philemon 23 says Epaphras my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. Epaphras was a prayer warrior for the Colossians, and he had prayed that all the area churches would become mature and fulfill God's will for them. Verse 14 says, Luke, the dearly loved physician and Demas, greet you. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke in the book of Acts, did more than any other person to help history's understanding of the Apostle Paul. We do not know much about Luke's background. We do know this. In the 2nd century, a prologue to Luke stated, and we don't know if this is to be the truth or not, but it had stated that he was Antiochian from Antioch of Syria. He was a physician. He was a disciple and a companion of Paul and accompanied Paul until his martyrdom. He says he was never married he never had children and he died in his sleep at the age of 84. in the book of acts the account goes first person as he writes it starting in chapter 16 which means he was with paul now we have demas he's mentioned three times in scripture although he accompanied paul to rome he later loved the world and returned to thessalonica likely lured by an easier life than what he and Aristarchus had experienced in ephesus In 2 Timothy 4, starting in verse 9, Make every effort to come to me soon, for Demas has deserted me, because he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Now in verse 15, Give my greetings to the brothers in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home, when this letter has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea and tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry who have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. Now Laodicea was located in Lycus Valley with Colossae and was Colossae's neighbor city. This church was probably established about the same time as Colossae. And we know from Revelation that this formally thriving church became lukewarm and formal. These verses tell us that Paul had written a letter to Laodicea, but that has been lost to us. Nympha is otherwise unknown other than the church at Laodicea had met in her home. Archippus appears twice in scripture, including Philemon, as he may have been related to Philemon or his wife, or it may have been their child. Paul encourages him to complete his ministry verse 18 says this greeting is in my own hand Paul remember my imprisonment grace be with you so Paul closed this letter with a personal touch written in his own hand this obviously meant that someone else wrote the letter from dictation we know in Galatians that Paul had an issue with his eyesight that may have prevented him from writing many of these letters himself We see that in Galatians chapter 6 verse 11 when he says look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting probably large because of a vision issue now Paul signed the letter giving it authenticity he asked for prayer again and remembering his chains we see in Philippians chapter 1 verse 12 it says now I want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the advance of the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is in the cause is in the cause of christ he says his chains were because of the gospel and he says the chains being imprisoned, actually advanced the gospel and he says here even to the imperial guard of rome paul speaks to god's grace even while he was imprisoned reminding us that grace sustains the christian life and that we need nothing else. And That ends Season 3. There will be a short break of a week or two, and we will begin Season 4 in First and Second Peter. I hope you look forward to that. God bless you today, and I encourage you to spend time in God's Word. Please look at our Facebook and Instagram page. I encourage you to like and share this podcast, if you have gained from this study in any way, in the book of Colossians. We have Seasons 1, 2, and 3 out there now. And God bless, and I pray that you are well, and we will see you in Season 4.